Hello and welcome to episode 159 of Virgo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. And joining me as always is the, I'm going to use, Schweppervescent League Freak. You can find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Pretty good. What was Schweppervescent's uh, thing? They had like a tagline. Um, um. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I, like I remember that it wasn't Aero that said it's the bubbles of nothing that make it really something. I think so, yeah. Yeah, but I can't remember Schweppervescence. The, um, the thing I remember about Schweppervescence is I know that Schweppervescence is um, older than, um, you know, Federation in Australia. Really? In what way? It's people well, Schweppervescence was, has been around since the mid-1700s. Oh, really? That's pretty, yeah. that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, how you been? Yeah, not too bad. Busy? Yeah. Yeah. As you do? Yeah. yeah hey, I, uh, I broke my quarantine, hey? You broke it? Yeah. Guess let what me, I broke let, it for? I was going to say, oh, I reckon I can get this. Yeah. A porto. Yeah, I did. I've broken yeah. it twice for a porto. I uh, I just got to a point where I was sick of eating food that I'd cooked, so um, yeah, I had to go and get some apoto. It was damn good as well. But some and proper I, food. Yeah, exactly. Um, something nutritious, and so yeah, it was it was really good. I don't regret it. The numbers in New South Wales are are pretty low at the moment, so I pre- I felt like it was an all right time to start to um, go back into society again. Did you so, go out wearing your um? Your mask, your Iron Man mask? No, because I wouldn't be able to drive in it. <laughs> oh no, you don't. You don't need to worry when you're in the car. I'm talking about when you get out of the car. Oh, when I get out the car, yeah. uh, you should have put the Iron Man mask on. I, I could have. Hey, I could have. You That's know, the way to go. And you could take the uh, take the Thor hammer. Yeah. And just stretch it out as far as you can, because that could be your 1.5 meter distancing. That would be handy. Hey, you know the other day when you told me about that hashtag, what are you wearing day? Mm-hmm. Well, I was I tried to set this up and it didn't work, unfortunately. I was going to wear my Iron Man mask. And my Iron Man mask is really shiny. It's like the it's like a gold sort of shiny thing on the front. Mm-hmm. And I was going to take a picture with my laptop, but make sure on my laptop there was a picture of Jason Tamalolo and I was going to put a big pink love heart around it so that if people look close enough, they'd be able to see it. But it just didn't work, unfortunately. So... <sighs> Damn it. I won't do that then. Oh, I think that needs to happen, though. We've got an Instagram page now. People need to see that. Yeah, it would be interesting. I, I will start to make, and I've said this for a long while now, I really do start to make need to make some videos about all of the weird stuff that I've got because people want to see it. I've seen people doing uh, videos of their footy cards and stuff. So I've got some things like that, which I think people would find a little bit interesting. I used to have a section on my website that had, all of the uh, old membership badges that I used to collect and um, all of my jerseys that I had and stuff like that. But I don't know what happened to all them pictures. They just sort of got lost in website moves and stuff like that, unfortunately. Yes. So usually at this point I say they've got a heap of news and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, today what we've done is press record. And we've just seen what happens. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about, um, it seems like we're in between all of the 
We're in between getting definite answers about, like, we know the season's going to start on the 28th of May. We know that. Yeah. But we haven't got answers about how long the season's going to be. We haven't got a, a firm answer on when the Warriors are coming over. There's a few things that, w- and I say the public don't know because I don't trust the media at all at this stage by what they're reporting. Um, so we're kind of in between bits of news we can actually talk about. And I think that you and me kind of don't want to guess and, and do what the rest of the media is doing and just make shit up as we go, you know. So it's it's kind of a weird moment, hey? Yeah, we'll just let the... Uh... Peter Volandis, um, we'll just let him be told by Channel 9 and, and News Corp what they want to do, and then he'll tell us that, that that's what he's going to do. Yeah. it's um, you know The only news I've read is that basically Fox Sports wants a, about a 20, more, 20 more rounds of the competition, so we end up with 22 rounds. Channel 9 is not happy about that because it runs into some 2020 Cricket World Cup or something, which is going to be riveting viewing hang on um, isn't that t20 world cup i believe is in the middle of the year isn't it well it was going to be uh i don't know i didn't I'd... think channel nine gave a shit about cricket anymore after they ditched test cricket to channel seven yeah after they ditched it i i really don't know and like... i thought channel nine was the home of rugby league well yeah are they, are they lying i think they are huh? channel nine are lying scum Lying scout, as I as I called them tonight on a radio show, I did their cancer, and well, they need go. to be cut out. So, um, but yeah, it's so anyway. Fox Sports wants a longer season. Channel Nine wants a short season or no season at all, which is wonderful of them. All right, well, and, Peter, uh, those are your two options. Mm. I would say this: um, listen to who pays Buzz. He's your mate. Don't listen to those dickheads at Channel Nine who sat there and. Told you that you were doing a shit job. Let's be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, just they, they didn't. They didn't really. But you know, we need to. We need to sell it like that so that he makes sure that we get more games. We've actually missed nine rounds of football. Yeah, that's so not we, insignificant. No. So if we were to keep the first two rounds and say, right, what we're going to do is, as has been suggested, we put Origin after the grand final, which will mm-hmm. free up a few weeks for us. Mm-hmm. We don't have any buy rounds or anything like that. That's going to leave us with, if we played the rest of the rounds as is, mm-hmm. we're going to be what, uh, we're going to be down nine rounds really, so two months. Yeah. Do you try and make it up at the end? Or do you say, let's let's cut out five of those rounds, so we've got 21 rounds? Well, yeah, well, as you said, we cut out four of those and have 22 rounds. Yeah. You're pretty much having your grand final last week of October, first week of November, then three Origin games straight after that. You should have the season proper finished in a pretty reasonable season too, just before December. Yeah, and and then you get on track with the off-season schedule that, as we've said before, clubs desperately need for a lot of different reasons and it's not just the players need a rest and stuff like that the clubs have a lot of uh, business that they attend to over the off season um, that they need time to sort that out so I think I tend to think that the 2020 rounds is ideal and you know what I wouldn't be shocked if 
because the first two rounds are always going to feel like something different. Even though they're going to be on the ladder, it'll feel like just a different part of the season. You know, I think when we see 20 rounds of football played and we're going to have no origin and we're going to have no rep rounds, I think people are going to be like, wow, this was good. This was fun, quick, hard season. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if it was a blueprint going forward. I hope that the 22 rounds idea certainly is one. Yeah. Um, something else that I had a quick discussion with on, on Twitter during the week mm-hmm. when I had the opportunity to, um, someone was pushing, to, pushing me to, um, I suppose, understand that having a Perth team is a bad idea because the cost of travel. And I thought, hang on, wouldn't the cost to fly from Brisbane, Sydney or Melbourne to Perth cost about the same as to fly from those places to either Townsville or Auckland. And yeah. even if it's a little bit more, each club is given, what, $3 million on top of the salary cap? Yeah. Surely that money can help pay for those flights. I can't see how we're going to sit back and allow the cost of flights because it's not just the one or two random idiots on Twitter are saying it. We've heard people in the media bring it up. I can't see how having cost of flights is going to be used as the only reason why the Perth bid falls over. And if it's a money issue, Mm. are we honestly saying the A-League has more money than the NRL because they've got a team in Perth? Yeah, I mean, you look at the uh, supposed super rugby. I mean, they go from fucking South Africa, Argentina, New Zealand. They're all over the place. And they don't they don't generate anywhere near as much as the rugby league does. So, um, yeah, I I think that that's just another one of those nitpicky things that um, people don't know how to sort of attack something. So they say, well, it'll cost money, and it's like some of those arguments are so stupid that I I just have stopped engaging with people like that because you know I, I think it's funny that anybody believes that rugby league in Australia is in a the sort of position where we can just turn our back on two cities of a million plus people in Perth and Adelaide. Yeah. It seems crazy. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Um other thing that was interesting that I saw too is um after Todd Greenberg stood down, mm-hmm. how many people decided to come out and start defending him? Not saying they weren't before, but they were a little bit more vocal in doing it and talking about how he hadn't done that bad a job. Mm. And it made me a little bit happy inside knowing that people are starting to realise just how shithouse the media is in you know, the rugby league media is. Yeah. And the role they played in all this. Mm-hmm. It's good to see that people are becoming more alert to that. Definitely. And it's been really interesting to see the way that the mainstream media has been just a disgrace and everyone's turned on. And look, I'm going by Twitter. I don't go on Facebook and stuff like that. But what I've seen on Twitter, everyone is just against the mainstream media. And, uh, I mean, then you get someone like a Phil Gould who is coming out with the most ridiculous shit every day. It's like a a, uh, a, a brainstorm from somebody that's schizophrenic. You know, it's like, do you ever have a day off, Phil? Is that it's all right to not say anything for twenty four hours? You know, as, um, as far as as far as shit ideas and needing attention constantly goes. Yeah, 
Feel Good is essentially Rugby League's Paul Ann Hansen. 100%. It's really weird because he's like, he he steps down from the Panthers role, right? And then he goes to help the Dragons, but he won't talk about it. But he wants you to know he helped the Dragons. And then he's a player manager. Oh, by the way, while he's talking about the same play, he should earn, you know, earn money doing normal jobs during the week. Everyone's a play manager that thinks that. And then he's like, oh, just letting everyone know, I don't want to be the CEO, but the CEO should be sacked. And it's just on and on and on. And it's like, man, take a day off. Just put your feet up, man. There's no football. Shut the fuck up for five minutes. Weeks. Yeah. It'd be really handy. It would. It would. Um, we pretty much discussed all the news. Anything else? Uh, Todd Greenberg got a payout of, I think it was $650,000 um, from enough. standing down. It'll be part of his contract. It, it's, you know, no CEO stands down without a payout. Um, you know, yes. people will winch about it, but it, the same people will have all got payouts themselves at some point. Yep. Um, so, yeah, there wasn't much there. The end of year state of origin, I'd like to talk about that a little bit because it's going to be – I'm really excited for it for some reason, and I don't know why. Like, I think the idea of a condensed origin series, some an origin series that's basically going to overtake the international games for Australia because I think that's the death knell of the Ashes series at the end of the year if we play origin. Um, well, I mean, let's be honest. The, the tour to England is definitely not going ahead now. Yeah. Yeah, they should just call it off now. Yeah, I don't know um, what they're fucking around there for. Just say, you know what, it's cancelled. Save yourselves yeah. a few, you know, a few months or a month, whatever they plan to do. Mm-hmm. Did Why they not? even have a plan on that? Uh, they didn't get they didn't get around to a tour itinerary for that, did they? No, I think they put in the test match dates. But did they? I'm sure they put in the test match dates, but I think they were going to work everything else around that, didn't they? Must be. Yeah. You'd, you'd think they'd have that shit planned out well before, you know, like in previous tours. Mm-hmm. most of that stuff was organised at the start of the year. Yeah. Like nine, ten months before the tour took place. Mm-hmm. That was when it was run by, you know, former football players who didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> and you've got professionals there. They take, they do it even worse. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a weird one. <laughs> it's weird when you, when you see people in rugby league and they're doing such a bad job and you think, they fucking earn money to do this. Yeah, like, good I, money. That gets me, you know. That I get that with the uh, journalists all the time. It's like, dude, you you earn money to not be able to work out how much a Mercedes Benz is worth <laughs> that you're posting on the internet. Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, so you, weird. You earn enough money to actually buy one. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, you earn enough yeah, money to be able to pay an accountant to teach you how to read a fucking balance sheet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man but uh yeah the st- end of year state of origin series it's going to be interesting to see if they do play the game in adelaide because they kind of owe the, uh, the south australian government a game um i feel like that'll be pushed towards next year myself but uh yeah that's going to be a really really interesting one there's also talk about if the um grand final gets pushed back to a certain date that in it does interfere with the 2020 World Cup cricket World Cup that the grand NRL grand final won't be able to be played at the SCG, which I'd be totally fine with. Yeah, where would they play it? I think 
you know what they might do? It, normally, I think they'd just play it at Lang, Lang Park, but I think they might put it up for a bidding war because they wouldn't mind that extra cash that would come out of it. You know what I mean? Do you reckon? Do you reckon the MCG take it? One hundred. Oh, you know what? They wouldn't be able to do it either because of the twenty twenty World Cup. Who could do it? Wouldn't, See, it be I... funny if, wouldn't it be funny if Melbourne won the bid and they played it at Dockland Stadium, the, the <sighs> venue that's owned by the uh, AFL? In the in the great asset. Yeah, the great asset. Oh, my God. You know, it's been really funny. I've seen some people talking about how the NRL doesn't have assets, which is just bullshit. But uh, they've been talking about how the NRL doesn't have assets to, to land against, so they weren't able to pay their bills. Have you heard of one single NRL club that has loaned money against their assets to pay players it's it's a pretty crazy idea isn't it yeah yeah like they have the players under contract i know the nrl guarantees the players wages which goes to show like these clubs that whinge about the nrl and their finances and stuff it's like yeah the nrl covers your biggest costs but then when something happens they also guarantee to take your biggest financial burden and take it on board themselves. So not one single NRL club even even just sort of said, you know what, maybe we should loan against our assets and pay our players. Not one. And then they turned around and said, oh, the NRL is wasting money. doesn't even have assets. They're a bunch of scumbags, aren't they? <laughs> they really are. They're just the worst. It's, oh, it's so, so bloody ridiculous. It really is. It really is. But no, um, no assets, but they still managed to get a, a loan. Yeah. How many yeah. business loans do you reckon you'd be able to get without any assets? Oh, by the way, for a quarter of a billion dollars. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, it's silly. Just turns out they did have an asset, and it was the game, just like we always said it was. Mm. Funny uh, that, hey? People. It's like the NRO has no money. Yeah, no one's got no any. No one's got money right now. No one. Like exactly right. No one's generating money. It's fucking mad. People are I, mad. Can I ask you a personal question? Okay. Were you playing with a transformer or a flick knife? It was a transformer that had a a part of it had been broken off by my daughter. Okay. What's the transformer's name? I don't know his name. He's he's a a blue plane. A blue plane. Oh man, the guns on this motherfucker. Yeah, they're, they're it, long. They're longer than the front of the plane, to be honest. Is it blue and red? Uh, blue and grey. Blue and grey. Yeah, I don't know that one off the top of my head. Thought it might have been Starscream. No, nah, it wasn't Starscream. It's some other one with a shitty name. You only had a bit roll. Okay. I got Jazz. Me. Jazz here. Now, which uh, Jazz was he? The, uh... the hang on. I think, a, I think it's a white Porsche. Okay, a, yeah. A, right, so a white race car, anyway. Old school. We're talking old school Transformers, then, yeah? Yeah. Good. Yeah, don't get the fucking new she bloody Michael Bay-inspired ones. They're all fucking bullshit. Yeah, they're terrible. I used, to, You know, when I was a kid, I used to have the uh, full-on Optimus Prime with the rig and everything. Fuck, oh, man, that would have been so awesome. It really was. I'd probably have it somewhere still. I, I'd never chucked it out, but, yeah. I had that, and I had uh, Bumblebee. Um, Bumblebee's pretty cool. You know, you'd probably find yeah. that uh, if you went onto eBay and looked up for the same Optimus Prime that you had, the, the thing's probably on there for about $35,000. Yeah, probably. 
probably it's uh it's weird like uh what is i i used to i was lucky when i was a kid i you know i had all of the the toys and stuff like that so i had like the all the ninja turtles and the the you know the sewer i had the ninja turtle blimp i had like all the ninja turtle stuff i had all the I only, had, and stuff. I only had one ninja turtle which one Raphael. yeah was he your favorite yeah because you know everyone else like michelangelo and i went why Raphael is obviously better you know the thing i liked about Raphael. you you've seen the uh ninja turtles movie the original one yeah no oh my god really no it's really good yeah i know i've been told yeah it's you know, it was the highest-grossing independent movie of all time up until about ten years ago. Something overtook it. Which, uh, what was it? It might have been. Oh, it might have been something weird like um, Pulp Blair Fiction Witch. or something. Over or Blair Witch. Yeah, it was some weird one which you don't think of as an independent movie. But yeah, the original Ninja Turtles was good. I can't. Rem- I can't remember the second one though. All I remember was um, was it Pizza Hut had a whole heap of like cards. Like trading cards? Yes. Was, had scenes from the actual movie on it? Yeah, yeah. And every single person around where I grew up, whenever they went into pizza, which wasn't often, they'd get yeah. these cards and they'd bring them to me. And so I end up getting very close to the complete set, despite only going to pizza about two times in that whole year. <laughs> this is awesome. Do you ever... I remember. Okay, here's a question for you. All right. Have you ever had something that when you were a kid you didn't get and then when you got old enough as an adult, you thought, fuck it, I'm getting this. Yeah, mostly Transformers. <laughs> you I wanted had, jazz. I had one, I think, at home. I can't even remember which one it was, but yeah. I've got I've got four here. Yeah. I've got what, two what Decepticons and two Autobots. Okay, what ones? Uh, jazz and Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the names. One's a, one's a purple plane, the other one's a blue plane. Okay. Yeah. Nice. No one remembers the name of the Decepticons. No. What's the go with Megatron? He's either a gun or a tank or a fucking plane. Someone needs to bloody sort that shit out. Yeah, he needs to pick and stick. Exactly. Yeah. It was Stop. it was always weird when uh, in the cartoon, like because he was as big as Optimus Prime, and then all of a sudden he turned into a gun that one of his mates could hold. It's like, <laughs> how the fuck does this work? <laughs> exactly. And then you see some of them out there in the shops, and they're, like, they've got him as a tank. Yeah. Some others have got him turned as a plane. Actually, that reminds me, I do have a fifth one, actually. It's a it's a tank, but it can also transform into not just a robot, but a plane as well. Oh, really? Yeah, but I don't know. I haven't figured out how that one works yet. It's only yeah. been there for about two years. Okay. Yeah. There you That's- go. See, I, I'm basically buying childhood stuff all the time now, except it's not from my childhood, it's from my 20s and, and 30s. <laughs> right. It was either going to be Transformers or Lego. Yeah, I, I fucking love Lego, hey? Mm. Lego's the shit. I got my little one into Lego, so I, I play with that through her. Yeah. Every, every now and then I say, do you want to play with Lego? She goes, nah. Like, Come on, let's go play with Lego. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. Okay, I'm going to build a house. All right. Have you ever been tempted to buy one of those really, uh, you know, the ones that are obviously not made for kids? They're like yeah. <laughs> hundreds of dollars, and it's like, ooh, I might make a Death Star or a, you know, Millennium Falcon. I look at it and go, that that you know, this it's just it's a jigsaw puzzle for adults. Yeah, 
and adults who don't want kids to be involved in the construction of the jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just get away from it. Stop looking at it so much. Just right. go, go in the other don't room. Don't touch it! It's my piece! <laughs> my Lego. <laughs> Have I told all of our listeners that I, I made another purchase? Oh. Yeah. Do go on. I, I don't know whether I should oh, okay. say what I should I say what I got or should I just post it one day when I get it? Uh, you've brought it up now. I'm, I'm getting a life-size metal Captain America shield. <laughs> it's, uh, it is a 75th anniversary edition. Um, you know, it if has... You, if you put all this gear on and uh, go outside, you're going to be like a, a Marvel version of Voltron. Oh, will. <laughs> I look fucking awesome. Um, yeah, it's uh, it has all the leather straps on the back. It's uh, the you know the real deal. So that'll be fun. I get that in about a month from now. Nice. Mm. Is that coming from China? Yep. <laughs> get the dead off spray on it. Yeah, yeah. Surely you know it's not going to remember that Simpsons episode where they uh, someone coughed into something and it gave everyone a disease in. In Springfield, do you remember that one? Yes. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. Did, did well, no, see... it wouldn't, and it'd suck. <laughs> I'd die. What are you talking about? It'd be good. No, you wouldn't die. You'd just get sick. You know, the whole country would be in lockdown, and, you know, things would be rosy for me again. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, oh, I was going to go somewhere then. I can't remember what it was. That's good. That's all right. It happens. It does. It does. Oh, that's what it was. Um, did you see there was a comment, I think it was done in, uh, in a sarcastic tone by Donald Trump the other day about how people should inject themselves with disinfectant or something like that to kill coronavirus? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, I don't know if it's true or not, there's been talk that a few people have done it and died. No way. Really? You know what? That proves that Trump was right because if they had coronavirus in them, they don't anymore. Exactly. The it, best it... way to kill coronavirus is to kill the host. Exactly. It's Darwinism at work, that is, huh? Oh, man, it's a genius. It really is. People it's... are mocking him. <laughs> well, you know what's really weird? And I've talked about this a little bit to people. Like, I think I talked about this with you the other night. People have been looking at the protests and stuff and people marching on um, Capitol buildings and stuff in different states in the US saying that they don't believe in the lockdown and they believe in their rights and their freedoms and stuff. <laughs> And at, at first glance, you look at it and you do, you think, man, these people are crazy. What are they doing? But if you live in America, you only get American media. You don't, it's not like the rest of the world. They only hear their own media. And if you were going by the American media or the American government, and you've seen how many times they've lied to you, why would you believe them now? There's no way you would believe them now. Exactly right. Like, so, and so when you look at it like that, it, it kind of makes sense that so many people would, you know, see all of a sudden the mainstream media saying, oh, you've got to stay indoors and not go out. And you'd be like, no way. You're lying to me again. Like, uh, so I get it. I kind of get it. It sucks. It's weird. And it's not doing them any favors. But it, I don't think it's as black and white as it seems. You know, what's funny is to show you the extent of how bad the media's got over there is that. Some of the most trusted news sources are late night comedians. Yeah, and like, 
what's the deal, right? With, I mean, who wants to watch a show where a comedian talks about politics and 85% of the things they talk about are just lies? Like, who wants to watch that? Who's watching them shows? Well, I suppose the beast watching Fox. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Which, which is the same thing, but with that, with half as many laughs. It's just yeah. you just rage watch it. You do. It's it's fun to rage watch things sometimes, though, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. That's what I used to do with NRL 360. You'd go, oh, four crawlies on the night. Right. Yeah. Fire up. I can't do that anymore. It was making me too angry. Yeah, and that's largely because crawlies boring. Yeah. He really is. Like, I used to watch it going, he's going to say something dumb. And then you just hear it and you go, you know, he's done this trick a few times. And then after I see him come on, I go, Ugh. Yeah. Just not doing it for me anymore, Paul. Like, get some new material, mate. Either come out with facts or just turn into James Hooper. I've heard some people saying that because of the, the lockdown that the whole world's been under to a certain extent, that it has mean it has meant that people have had to look for alternative sources of entertainment and that it this might be a real hammer blow to mainstream media because at some point everyone has turned off of it, even if it's just because you don't want to hear about the, the COVID-19 virus. You just need a break from it. And because they've been seeking out alternative forms of media, that those alternative forms of media have taken had, have had big boosts. And I think, like I know, we look at the numbers on the podcast; they've been pretty damn good. Like they've been pretty rude numbers that we've been getting over the course of the the pandemic. Even though there's been no footy on, which is kind of crazy. Um, and I, I know with some of the website stuff that we've we've been talking about too, it's been a little bit the same thing. You put out something good and it gets like so many views. It's fantastic. Um, I wonder if things are going to change now. I wonder if mainstream media, such as Fox Sports, for instance, I wonder if they have a look at the landscape and they start, instead of trying to drive their own ideas and stuff, if they look at the landscape now and they say, look, these things are working. Maybe we should try some of that sort of stuff. Um, I think there's two ways to answer that. And the first one is, yes, they should. And no, they probably won't. Yeah, I probably agree with you, actually. <laughs> and it comes down to a fear of trying something new. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll try something new once every four or five years. Yeah. And if they, if it works, they'll stick with it, and they'll ring the, they'll you know they'll ring that bone dry. And Matthew John's show, all of them, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just Matthew John's, yeah. Oh, Matthew John's has got a late night show, and it was okay on its own. Mm. But then let's give him a, you know, make him host a radio show and make him do the same thing over there. You go, well, I can I can ignore that's on radio. I'm not going to listen to it. And then let's make him do a podcast. Yeah, I can choose not to listen to that. Let's put his podcast on TV. What are you doing? Yeah, just chill with it. Yeah. Just no one needs that much Matthew Johns. Yeah. And he's he's becoming tedious. Yeah, and it's like I just I've heard I've heard enough of it. It's all good. Like Yeah, like he used to be an escape. Mm. From the mainstream media horseshit you hear all the time. 
Yeah. Now he's he is that. Because if he's not doing his his comedy routine, which is we'll we'll call it comedy. I'll be kind. Yeah. Um <laughs> That was the most savage way of being kind ever. I know. <laughs> we'll call it comedy. Fuck yeah. it sucks. But anyway. Um his opinion stuff. Because he you know, he obviously does writing as well in the you know newspapers and stuff. His opinions, as we've discussed before, are best left ignored. Yeah. This is just utter trash. Yeah, they're dumb. Yeah. It's just column filler stuff. Well, he, like, the problem his, is, I think he believes some of it, though. That's the problem. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. And, he, like, here's a question for you. Because I remember writing an article about... Uh, What's that commentator? He always says stupid shit to try and make Pom smile. Um, Andrew Voss. Right? There was a point where Andrew Voss, Channel 9, they just put him on everything. He was reading the fucking news. He was doing everything. I remember writing an article saying, like, it's too much. Like, you've got to take a step back. And I, I could, but if you're in that situation, I can understand where uh. if somebody comes to you and says, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Every single time you should answer yes because it's more money, it's more, it's it's doing what you're doing, but more of it. It's what it's kind of what you, if you're in that industry, you are kind of wired to yes, 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 yes. Yeah. But at some point, is it, are you better off saying no to stuff? So I look at someone like a uh, say Von Sampson, right? She's not on everything. She does a few different things, but that's it. It's not like she's got a podcast as well and is on the radio like every weekend and blah, 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 blah. She just, she hosts a few shows, she hosts some football and that's it. And it's like, that's the right, that's the exact level where you're getting the right dose of someone. And, but how do you know when to say no? Um, I know. And the problem for me, I guess, is I can understand I say I, I love Vossi, so I'm not going to sit. I I got no issue with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand Vossi saying yes to a lot of things because I can probably almost be certain that he's getting paid less than what Matthew Johns got as a player. And so Matthew Johns was able to earn a decent a decent amount of coin as a player, especially considering that he came through the super the Super League era. Yeah. Um, so he had good income there already. But to then go into the media and then have all this work he's got as well on top of all of that, he doesn't—he doesn't actually need that money. Like, why can't you let other people in the industry get a bit of that money? There's a lot of independent people out there who could do it. I'm not putting myself out there. I don't want—I don't want any of that. Mm-hmm. But there are other people out there who would be perfect for those sort of roles and good at those sort of stuff. Um, and. He's just taken jobs away from them by having podcasts, radio shows, newspaper columns, things on TV. He's doing all these jobs, and it's just it means that the the media world in the in the rugby league landscape is controlled by a small, very small group of people, and yeah, most of them have time. the same voice. Yeah, it's, and a lot of them think the same way. Like I, mm. I know with our podcast, you and me. Uh, we're very similar in a lot of the things we think about rugby league. Like it's very, it's not 
often that we talk about something and we have different opinions on things. It's because we're right, Andrew. That's what it comes down to. But yeah. uh, I mean, we're, we're genuine experts. Yeah, 100%. Like, um, unquestionable. Yeah. Like, everything we say is the right thing. Exactly. Um, but you see a lot of echo chambers on mainstream media and you see a lot of the same faces again and again and again. Like, if I was running Fox Sports... The first thing I'd say is, like, why are we paying retired players, like someone like a Cooper Cronk, right? Why are we paying him straight out off of playing football to just come on and talk when we can get current players for free or former players who will come on for or appearance money, you know? We don't need to have, like, five or six players that just come on and, and speak on on a contract like i would want to get as many different voices as possible on there and i think that that's missing from fox sports is that you turn it on and like you really do yeah there's like what eight people that you hear from and that's why when they get a benji marshall on or a you know james graham it's absolutely refreshing even though you hear them every week because it's just not the same eight faces we're seeing all the time exactly exactly um, for Channel 9, I mean, they just need to hire everyone new. Yeah, well, everyone. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's, uh, you know, it, and it, the other thing they need to stop doing is, um, and I think all of them fall into this trap a little bit, the just hiring the best people, the best players, former players, who sometimes the best players are idiots, they shouldn't be given microphones. Yeah, let's be honest. Um, we've found in the past that sometimes if you give... Sometimes you can find the best commentators mm. with people who actually weren't the greatest players. Yeah. Examples. All right. Braithen Astor. Paul Vorton. Yeah. Largely overrated players. Let's be honest. When people think great lock forwards of the 80s and 90s, very seldomly that any of them are going to say Paul Vorton. Yeah. But somehow he played for test matches. I don't know how. <laughs> but more power to him. Um, you know, and those people tend to be pretty good at those sort of roles. Mm. Phil Gould for a long time was a very good commentator. Mm. Never even played any rep footy. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes some people have just got the right wiring for the job. Others don't. Um, a lot of people would We'd often mock Wally Lewis for, you know, saying the same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. Another good example, and it's, you know, you find the same situation happens with coaches as well. Sometimes some of the best coaches were people who were not, would yeah, you know, didn't have a stellar career as a player. Yeah, it's the same thing there. So maybe they need to look at start looking at other players. Maybe Daniel Fitzhenry would be a good commentator. Yeah, like it, that's that that's the thing. Like you just don't know and. These non-stars, I mean, they might come in and have really good opinions. Like, one of the ones I don't understand is why no one decided to bring Willie Mason on board, right? And now, I don't agree with everything that Willie Mason has to say. Well, that's what I think it is, because he would say what he fucking wanted to say. Yeah. Fear. I mean, they dabbled with that sort of thing for a little while when they had Mark Guy on Channel 9. Yeah. A little bit of a loose cannon about him when he was when he spoke. Mm-hmm. Didn't speak stupidly, mm. but wasn't afraid to to come out with a different opinion. 
And I think that's something that they're more worried about if they were to get Willie Mason on. Yeah, I'd and, love to see Willie Mason on Fox. Ah, oh, it'd be so good. I'd like he would be the first former player I would go to and say, "Listen, come on, once a just once a week." You know, he's a, he's a microphone. Yeah, tell us what you're thinking today. Yeah, <laughs> swear if you want. I don't care. Yeah, we'll just put you on at nine thirty. Yeah, and don't be afraid to like. It feels like they want people that are are going to be in a little box and. Yep. They're going to say what they expect them to say or what everyone else at the table is saying so that, you know, no one's surprised by an opinion that's different. Exactly. Why haven't they approached you about one of these shows? Because I would tell them to go fuck themselves. That's why. <laughs> it's the last people I want to be around is them fucking assholes. Oh, boy. <laughs> what How, else what has been you, going on? Oh. Hang on, I was just thinking, like, yeah. I wonder what my price would be, though. Just say they come to me and said, we're going to put you on TV and you're going to be on five minutes a week on, say, an RL360, and we're going to give you $50,000. I would, You know what I'd say to them? Yeah. I'd say, I, I have a really dear friend. His name's Andrew Ferguson, and I do a podcast with him, and that podcast has been one of the best things I've ever done. So let me call him and tell him I've got to cancel it because I'm with you, boys. I'm with you. <laughs> nah, if I got asked that, I'd say I accept on yeah. the grounds yeah. that when I go on NRL 360 for those five minutes, yeah. Phil Rothfield and Paul Crawley are both there as well. Yeah. And I'm allowed to swear if I want. <laughs> just, first episode, you just go, you dumb cunt. <laughs> Paul Crawley up his mouth. Well, this is why. Oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear from the Alco, eh? <laughs> All right. Now let's hear from the Echo. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case you didn't hear it the first time around. Tell us what you think, Paul. Like, any, like anyone cares. Oh, man. That'll be what we do. And then you get Hooper on there and you can just yell louder at him. Imagine. imagine. So, I think you're deaf, James. Can you hear me now? Every time he talks, you just start talking. Like, he he doesn't even exist. Yeah. <laughs> you just start talking like Benji Look at the other people in the room, but just don't look at him. Just go, <laughs> it's just an empty chair over there. <laughs> <laughs> when he says something and you give him a bit of time, you go, is anyone going to say anything? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't like this awkward silence oh shit that'd be fun I I, re- I wonder if they do look at like uh, they've got to be looking at what's going on because like some of the real independent stuff's been brilliant like uh, I mean like Chasing Kangaroos I, I was listening to them the other day and they had an interview with an English guy who moved to Russia because um, he was he was a teach he got a teaching job in Russia and then started playing rugby league over there and is now involved in running Russian rugby league. And it's just brilliant. I'm listening to it. I'm learning new things. 
are fantastic. And then you see NRL Economist, he's putting out some fantastic facts and figures, which is something the mainstream media hasn't been doing for a, a long time now. Um, well, that's because none of the independents have been putting any of it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're just waiting. <laughs> come on, George. Come on. Um, yeah, come on, George. Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 really good. The Chasing Kangaroos one is is a is a brilliant podcast. Yeah. Um, because they don't just keep going back to the same well of, well, let's just talk to some bloke from Australia or some bloke from New Zealand or one from England. You know, they had a Italian player on in their last episode. Mm-hmm. And it's not a quick five-minute thing. It's, you know, a 45-minute to an hour conversation with them about everything going on in that area there, about that player's career. Um, it's fascinating. It is very educational. And I'm not just talking about because I'm on the next episode. Oh, how dare you? Cash for comment. Um, <laughs> um, I'll give yeah. him a plug. I didn't get any cash, but I'll give him a plug. He didn't get cash? I'll give him some cash. No, I didn't. Um, no, I'm not surprised you got cash. I haven't, been on, I haven't been on there. They haven't invited me, Michael. Uh, Damn it, Michael. Nah. Um, th- th- you know what? I don't listen to too many rugby league podcasts because I I listen to other things. When I'm not doing rugby league stuff, I like to have a break <laughs> from it. I was going to say, is it because you're sick of hearing my voice? You go to another it's, podcast and go, oh, fuck, he's on here too. Every single time I turn on a podcast, it's like, this fucking cunt again? Um, <laughs> the fucking listening to you, twirling a fucking knife, cutting parts off your hands. Um, like I do 17 <laughs> podcasts with him a week, and here he's on another fucking podcast during yeah. the week. Anyone shut this prick up? <laughs> it's... Uh, no, the one I really do, I, I listen to Chasing Kangaroos, and it's not every episode, it's just every so often they'll get somebody on, and it's like, ooh, that's a different one, and, and so, yeah, they're, they're one of the ones I listen to, and, uh, you know, people are producing great stuff, and, and it's, I think that all of those independent outlets, whatever they're doing, should be really proud of what they're doing right now, because... The most of the stuff that's being produced is really, really, really good, and it is way better than anything that a lot of the professional writers are producing. And uh, it's it's amazing to see. It makes me really happy to see it. Oh, by a long way, the the independent stuff is immensely better, and it's good to see that there are people in the game, players, coaches, stuff like that, who are willing to give their time to these independent guys as well. Yeah. Um. Hopefully, it just means that the independent becomes the you know the majority that people listen to, and it might force the mainstream media. I doubt it, but it might force the mainstream media to open their ears and their eyes and go, hmm, maybe we were doing things wrong. I yeah. doubt it. I've got no hope in that happening, but you know, you can you can sit there and dream. <laughs> you can. I wonder when the. I kind of look at it now, and I I think when is the next group coming through uh with the mainstream media because like you look the writers they're they're mostly old men yeah where are the where are the next ones that are coming through clarky clarky (laughs) yeah you gotta keep writing andrew get some (laughs) get some more get some more tweets out would you i put some out today yeah what were they about i i've i've been out of contact from twitter all day what were they about um, about bench players. All right. Yeah, someone asked me a question. It was about uh, Tony Wall. They said that Tony Wall kicked eight goals 
while playing off the bench for West in 1995, and that was a record. So I went and did you know a very short amount of research and found out that it was the record, but it's been equaled by two other players as well. And I went from there and thought, well, while we're talking about bench players, let's talk about who scored the most tries. It was um, Dean Witter, uh, Dean Witters. Yeah. And then I went, oh, he scored the most points, and it was Mark Riddell. Off the so, bench? Yeah. Okay. So I put all that stuff out there. People can have a bit of a read. There's been six players since 1908 who have scored 100 points or more playing off the bench. In a season? No, no, in their career. In their career. Who were they? Mark Riddell with 142 points. Craig Fitzgibbon with 136. Aaron Gorrell, 128. Wayne Bartram, 120. Dean Witters, 116. And Corey Parker, 102. Yeah, that's interesting because you don't really, I mean, you don't really think of too many of them as as bench specialists, do you? Um, Gorrell. Gorrell, mostly. Yeah. But that would be, I suppose Witters did a bit. Yeah, I guess he was a... He scored 29 tries playing off the bench. That's impressive. Yeah. He's one of... You know what? There's been more and more... We talked about it uh, a couple of episodes ago. Talked about a little bit on the radio show I did for Swire Sports Tonight. Players who are probably a little bit forgotten. Like, uh, Witters would be one of them. Um, Because he was a handy player. Oh, Absolutely. Reese Wesser was one that was brought up tonight on the show I did earlier, mm-hmm. which he will be. Like, I think people will forget how good he was. Um, it's well, he'll, just, he'll be in that same mold as Preston Campbell. You, well, you know, it's funny you say that because I brought up Preston Campbell as an example of, of players that will be forgotten about in the exact same conversation. I said Preston Campbell will be another one. Um, yeah, it, like those players that... And I think that we... We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if we recorded it or not, that one of the best ever that people will forget is how bloody good Steve Randolph was. That is so funny because my wife and I were talking about Steve Randolph just two nights ago, talking about how he's often overlooked as one of the best centres of all time. Yeah. And by a long way. People don't even put him in the conversation, and he surely has to be because he was explosive. Yeah, I I think that... uh... I mean, when, I, I know in the 90s when you were talking about the best centres, he was the first one you would say, and then you'd say, and Meninga. You know, it wasn't the other way around like it is now. Um, he, I mean, Branoff was, he was the, he was the example of what a an attack centre was. He, who could score from anywhere on the field. He was, and, um, Fast, very agile, good step, good strength in his upper body. Mm-hmm. Um, and, man, loved a long-range try. Yeah. Had a good swerve on him, too. Yeah, oh, and he, he had good watch. vision when he broke through, too. He didn't pin his ears back. Like, he could pin his ears back and score a try, but, um, like, he he didn't have tunnel vision when he got the ball. He would be nah. looking around for, for what was available and pretty much always picked the right choice as well. Yeah. Oh, phenomenal. Phenomenal player. Um, speaking of players from the past, yeah. I was just doing a bit of work on the uh, Rugby League Project website the, other, the last few days, and I came across one player um, who had a name that, you know, usually I'm good at remembering Rugby League players' names, even even guys who barely played a game. Like Theo Anas played one, one or two games for the Bulldogs in 89. 
mm-hmm. there's this one guy whose name come up and I had no idea that he existed. And it's it's his name that stuck that stuck out to me because his name is Candy Tamer. Candy Tamer, tell me about when he played and who he played for. One game for the Roosters in 1994, and he played three games for Lebanon in 2000. And how do you spell his name? First name K A N D Y. Surname T A M E R. Wow! Holy crap! Candy Tamer. That's 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 got to be right up there with the weirdest names in rugby league's history. That's pretty damn unique. Yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. And ninety five too. Oh, I thought you would have said like nineteen thirteen or something. No, as I said, like I, those obscure ones, I tend to still remember them. But this one just stood out to me. I just went, I can't believe I I do not know that name. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I would. You know, there was a the West player you said before. I didn't know him. Uh, oh, that, Tony Wall. Yeah, I, I I don't know Tony Wall. He only played a handful of games. Oh, that's all right then. Yeah, you're forgiven. Yeah. Now, another one I got asked today mm-hmm. is, um, what was the, where is it here? I'll just, what was the Eels' home record between 1982 and 1985 at Belmore? The Eels' record between 80. Wow. Okay, so why did they ask that? I was just curious. Just curious. Okay. What was so, it? Played 48 games, won 41, 85.42% success. Parramatta? Yeah. Where they own them at Belmore? Yeah. Whoa. That's crazy. Um, Then I said, how many of those losses were to the Bulldogs? Because they only lost seven games. And I went, well, two. And I think there's one of those funny things where, which I, I, it's one of the few things I can enjoy out when it comes to these really obscure questions is sometimes one will come up that I can answer pretty quickly. Yeah. And seeing how amazed people get at how quick I respond to that. Yeah, it, look, it <laughs> shocks me even. Like, that, it, like there's been, especially in the early days when we would talk and we'd before podcasts and stuff, and I'd ask you questions like, uh, hey, like it'd be weird stuff. Like, what, how many times that games were played on a Wednesday in rugby league's history? That'd be, And you'd be like, hang on. Oh, yeah, it's happened 14 times. <laughs> oh, it's, it's actually 150. There, there you go. Like, it, you, you know, it, it's... I always say, work with someone with autism. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. No, I've, I've just got really good at organising um, a few things. Like, I've got this amazing spreadsheet, which no one is ever going to see. Yeah with all the results in there, with a whole heap of extra fields I've put in there, so I can answer a whole heap of questions about results, score lines, opponents, streaks, venues, dates, anything the, like that. I tell you what, the, the deepest dive that you've been in for something we've been talking about, I, I feel like it was probably trying to come up with a new world ranking system. Yeah, that was that was entertaining. Yeah, hours and hours. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't going too badly either, I must say. Yeah, it got to a, it, yeah, it it just needed a five percent tweak on yeah. on at the end. The problem we had with it was played teams like Canada and the US played a lot of games against one another. 
Yeah. And that was um, that was impacting on the rankings a bit because mm-hmm. it was making them a lot higher than they probably should have been. Yeah. But we were working on things around that. And, and I think that the other big issue was keeping the weight of previous results and how far back previous results the weight should fall off of them. So say your last three games are more important than the three games prior to that, for instance. But then how how do you weigh them against also your last performance? So say you get someone like uh, England slash Great Britain, their last performances against, say, Tonga, they might have gone really well in. But But how much, how do you weigh that against where Tonga is now? Because Tonga is clearly clearly better than England slash Great Britain. But how do you make that come out in a in a system where you really also can't have, say, the best team in the world, say be in Australia, they shouldn't fall off the top spot because they lose one game in their last ten. It's it's a very difficult thing to come up with. Exactly. Um and it's also had to try and find a way, I guess, of making it so you got credited with, um, yeah, you got credited more heavily for beating a top team than yeah. you did. So instead of just getting two points for a win, you know, if Canada beats a, beats Australia in one game and then beats um, India in a, in another game, mm. it's it's wrong to suggest that both those wins deserve just two points. Yeah, 100%. beating Australia is a much bigger thing for Canada to do than beating India. Yeah. And so trying to come up with a system that worked around that. Um, I had worked on things like that in the past because I saw a lot of people doing power rankings, but it was all based on opinion. Yeah, yeah. And so I made one in the NRL, which is based on stats. Mm-hmm. And when I was going through it for one year, I was looking at it going, this is so much more accurate than these opinion ones are because it, it would change pretty rapidly week mm-hmm. to week because you could get big points just for beating the team at the top of the ladder. Yeah. Um, and you'd lose a lot of points if you lost to the team at the bottom of the ladder. Yeah. So it was it was really good to to check how teams were going form wise. So that's the sort of thing I was working on there. I don't know where I put it. Somewhere on the computer. Yeah, didn't you say you had like uh, <laughs> dozens of of uh, projects like that were that were there from like mm-hmm. the so for instance the world rankings one and. You know, other ones. I've got two that I'm looking at my desktop at the moment, which is about uh, plans I was working on for a new salary cap structure and a new cap plan. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, And just lots of folders with stats in them. (laughs) I I half wrote an article during the week on my website. I I got distracted by something. I can't remember what it was. Uh, Let me find it. And like... I was really impressed with the headline I come up from it too. I was going to put it on my website, leaguefreak.com. For some reason, my website, when Google showing me ads, it's showing me ads for a sex shop every single time I go on there. Uh, I don't know why. That sounds very weird. I know. I've hardly clicked on it even. That's like every two or three days. But, um, oh, yeah, I was going to call itself, Channel 9 calls itself the home of rugby league while it tries to keep the game in lockdown. So you can imagine where that one was going. But, yeah. That one needs to get finished. 
well, first of all, that's what she said. It actually doesn't need too much more added to it to be finished. So I might uh, sort that out and maybe post that on Monday. Cool. Yeah. That needs to happen. Yeah. You know what we need to do? We need to do the episodes we've talked about doing for a long time where we do a, an oral history of Rugby League Project and then an oral history of LeagueFreak.com. Yeah, all right. Because I think that would be interesting to most people. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah. Well, are we really worried if, if, if people are interested or not? We'll just do it anyway, won't we? We te- Oh, we tell them what they're interested in. Yeah. You know, I don't care. <laughs> they get what they deserve. Yeah, we do our own shit. Yeah, exactly. Is this the one here I was working on? Oh, no, no, no. I was trying to find that file thing. Can't find it. Not going to bother. Okay, I'll keep looking a bit further. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There is so much, so many fucking spreadsheets on here. I'm just just having a quick look at the news. What time is it at the moment? It is, uh, it's 12.30. Yeah, all the news is up. That's going to be up. There's no new news. No new that, news? No. Nah. Apparently, Daniel Vito has made his WWE debut, got his butt kicked, which, uh, you know, you got to pay dues in uh, wrestling. But he's he's done pretty well, eh? Okay. Well, I suppose it wouldn't have been hard for him to make his debut, given that they the WWE released about you know, 20% of all their performers <laughs> over the last week and a half. That's a good point. That's a really <laughs> good point. But uh, it's... It's interesting that he kind of set himself a goal to do it, and he did it. What, and what's, how, his, uh, what's his what's his gimmick or his name? I've got absolutely no idea. It'll be something. It'll either be something um, semi-racist. Jeez, <laughs> let's have a look. Let's go to WWE.com. I haven't done this for a while. Or it'll be something really, really bad. W, oh, put in W-E-E, apparently. When I say semi-race, I'm not saying they're, they're mocking for his race, but they'll do something that's based on his race. Yeah, it'll or, be like a Polynesian sensation or something like that. Yeah. Okay, let's have a look if we can find him. <laughs> Daniel Fido. Polynesian power. Yeah. Uh, poly, current... poly power. Poly power. That's the name I'll give him. <laughs> look. Yeah, I, you've got to look at these, the faces because, okay, uh, he put he put on a lot of weight too, like, uh, which surprised me a bit because I remember he used to be a, a pretty lean player. Yeah. Daniel Bryant. It'd be funny if they just called him Daniel Vito and we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm still looking through. They've still got a lot of wrestlers on their their books, apparently. Uh, I bet this is fucking riveting to listen to, by the way, hey? I'm fucking scrolling at the wrestling website. They've got so many wrestlers. Who are all these cunts? Yeah. yeah, I found an article here. Okay. Um... It looks like he's fighting uh, a ranger. Yeah. 
was he real pasty skinned ranger? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, he, what's his name? He's a Irish dude. Oh, there you go. What's his name? Oh, I can't remember his name. I, I Seamus. It Seamus, Seamus. That's it. Yeah. Seamus. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. There he is, Seamus. Oh, oh see, so that's what I'm getting at. It's semi-racist. <laughs> Do you remember the guy that had that man? And it was like just after two thousand and one, uh, and he was a, a Middle Eastern dude, and, and man, they went with it. Oh, it was pretty rough. People, people were not happy about it. Didn't read the room on that one. No way. <laughs> they got rid of that one real quick. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, that, it really was. All right, well, I'll tell you what. I, I want to put you on the spot with something that I've seen on Facebook. Okay. Two questions. Okay. They're pretty basic sort of things. Yeah. First one is um, about 10 albums that shaped your your music um, taste, I guess. Ooh, yeah. And the other one was your seven favorite books. Oh, I look, I'm not a big reader. Right, let's do the books one first. I'm not a big reader. Um, the ones that I've really enjoyed, I liked uh, the new, the history of New South Wales Rugby League Grand Finals. Uh, who was that that wrote that one? Um, history of the finals. Uh, the Grand Finals. Um, oh, you'd know it. Was I that Alan Whitaker? I think it was, yeah. I, got, I actually got it signed by um, Arthur Beetson. At a at a footing wow. lunch, which was so oh man, meeting Arthur Beetson. It was like it was like meeting um it was like meeting a god that was humble and down to earth. And I'll always remember him he, he and he signed my book the same way. He said, Enjoy the game. I'll never ever forget it. And he he was like he was like an uncle. It was so amazing. I used um, to work at the uh the Roosters Leagues Club. Yeah. Many, many years ago. And every Thursday, I think it was, the start of my work roster week, um, he would come in with the, the players and Ricky Stewart and the coach and stuff there. And he would always say hello, say hello to all of the staff working on the, the gaming floor and the bar staff and people at the entrance. Yeah. He'd say hello to every single one of them. Every time he came in, everyone else would walk past him. Arthur would always say hello. Um, I used to, yeah, and that went on for a year and a half, two years or so I was there. Mm-hmm. But... I properly got to meet him and have a chat with him quite by chance uh, several years later when we we flew up to Newcastle, my wife and I, to go and watch a concert up there. And we were at the airport waiting for a friend to come pick us up. And Arthur Beetson's standing next to us with Tom and Rodonicus, and they're having a chat to one another. Yeah. And went, said to the missus, you know, that is over there. She's gone, oh, is that Arthur Beetson? Went, yeah, go and say hello. She went, okay. Whatever said hello and had a chat. We must have spoke with him for about 10, 15 minutes and oh, yeah. you know, got photos with him and stuff like that. They were just awesome. Just, you know, just like you, you've, you've known him for a while. Just, you know, just start having a chat with you, talk about stuff. Yeah, yeah. And like... Like it's nothing. And it makes you think about like when you meet people and sometimes you don't understand the impact you can have on them. You know, and, and I think Arthur... I don't think he thought about it. I just think it was who he was, you know, yeah. but it was wonderful to meet him and it just be 
everything you've got. Like, I cherish that moment. And I only talked to him for maybe probably three minutes, I reckon, all up. Um, but, yeah, so anyway, going back to books, there's that one. Yeah. There's the centenary of rugby league one, the big green one that I know we both have. Yep. Uh, um, be- uh, just a beautiful looking book. That's the um, David Middleton and the Ian Collis, it, Alan Whitaker. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's Ian Collis. Hey. There you go. I feel like anyway. Um, and I, one of the few books I've read covered a covered a back was uh, Chopper Reed's first book. Yep. I think I think that was Chopper in his own words, I think it was called. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, the best book I've ever read was Mike Tyson's autobiography, which is informative, insightful, funny. Like, it is just – it is the best book I've ever read without question. Can um, I ask a question about that one? Yep, yep. When you were reading it, were you reading it with his voice in your head reading 1, it? 1,000%. <laughs> and it is, it is amazing. And it, he – it's written the way that he talks as well. Oh, brilliant. So, and yeah, and like if, look, if he was, I've, I've looked up and if he did the audio version of the book and he doesn't, which which makes sense, right? But it is just amazing. And the weird thing about Mike Tyson is he's, he, he, he doesn't have much of an education, but he's not a dumb person. Like he's a real thoughtful person. And he's able to have self-reflection and looking back. And even when you know that there's been moments in his life where he's had no self-reflection at all, now as an older person, he has that ability to look back and, and look at situations from a more mature standpoint. And it's it's absolutely incredible. It's a, that's the best book I've ever read. Um, so, yeah. What about you? What What, what are your favorite books? Right. Well, um, you can't have to tell I'm a rugby league historian when you hear this list. Yeah. Um, the Pioneers of Rugby League by Sean Fagan. Mm-hmm. Possibly, well, it, that is the book you need to have if you want to learn about how the game began in Australia. Yeah. Um, the Forbidden Game by Mike Rylance, which looks at the birth of rugby league in France and what the Vichy government did to it during World War II. Um, a Short History of Rugby League in Australia by Will Evans. Uh, I love everything Will Evans does. Uh, mm-hmm. Great writer. Uh, the ABC of Rugby League by Malcolm Andrews. Mm-hmm. The Player Encyclopedias, which used to be done by um, Ian Collis and Alan Whitaker. The last one was done by Ian Collis on his own. Oh, yeah. no, sorry, I... it's Glenn, Glenn Hudson and Alan Whitaker. Okay, I had the first one. Remember the first? It was like a, a brandy looking... Hey? Did it have Fittler on the cover? I think it did, yeah. I couldn't believe it when that one came out. I was like, oh, my God, this is... This is incredible. Now I guess you could probably do it in website form, which is kind of what like what Rugby League yeah. Project is now. That's right. Um, I've got every edition of that. Yeah. Um, Rugby League in 20th Century Britain by Tony Collins. Mm-hmm. And the last one is The Guns of Mushu by Don Dennis, and that's a war book. But interestingly enough, it does have a Rugby League player in it. It was uh, Spencer Walklade who played for the Dragons in the 1940s. And if you're into war books, and this is a true story war book, and it's you know, obviously Australian, um, definitely recommend that one. I came away from reading that book, and you read it pretty quick. It's based over, I think, a week. Mm-hmm. And it's about a small group of special forces troops um, who have to go onto some of the islands out around Indonesia mm-hmm. and find 
anti-aircraft, this big anti-aircraft gun that the Japanese have got hidden. And so they get a boat, drops them off in the water nearby. They've got to get on a little makeshift paddle boats and paddle themselves over onto the shore. They then wander around on the island, find the gun, get the uh, get the coordinates of it, and then get off the island as quickly as possible. But it goes wrong shortly after they go there, and all but one of them gets captured by the Japanese, tortured, um, you know, ripped apart limb, limb from limb, and one bloke survives, and it is the father of the bloke who wrote the book. Oh, wow. And getting off the island was only half the thing because it's all shark-infested water, so he had to swim through those waters to another island in the hope that he would land, you know, when he finished swimming in a part that was, you know, part of the New Guinea region that wasn't under Japanese control. Whoa. And he had no idea. Jesus. Um, It's intense. And when you're reading it, it feels like... Like in your head, it's so vivid. It's like you're you're reading a movie. Yeah, you're just reading it the whole time. Going, they need to make this into a film. It is just so perfect for it. Wow, that's inc- that sounds like an incredible story. Yeah, highly recommend it. So yeah, those, those are my seven books. Okay, now the other one was uh, was albums. Albums. So the thing I try to do different here is instead of just doing your seven or your ten favorite albums, yeah. I try to do. Um, one album from 10 unique different bands or acts or artists. Okay. It can be any album, anyone you want. So can you think of any? Oh, yeah. Um, there'd be, look, Jimi Hendrix. I, yeah. I guess uh, there was, I can't remember, there was two of them because there were, there were a couple that I had um, that I'd actually bought and there was one was like his greatest hits, but there was another one which was almost like a greatest hits album. Uh, but yeah, Jimi Hendrix, um, absolutely amazing. Another one was Eminem's uh, album. I can't remember what that one was called, but it was in the early 2000s. Might have been called Curtain Call from memory, actually. Um, what other ones would there be? Uh, obviously, you know, uh, Back in Black by ACDC, which is oh, yes. just ridiculously good. Um, any album by Black Sabbath, it, that Black Sabbath is just just the best. Um, there was a greatest hits uh, CD that the Beatles put out um, in the nineties. And I, I can't remember what that was. It might have just been called Their Greatest Hits, but I think it was like a four CD set. And that was another one, which I really, really liked. Um, what other ones? Uh, there, there was another Corn album, believe it or not, in the early 2000s, which I listened a lot to. It's really good. Um, Does that follow yeah, the leader? Yeah, I think it was actually, yeah. Had Freak on a Leash? Yep, that's the one. Yeah. I love um, that one. That's that's on my list. There, uh, what other ones are there? I hope, oh, obviously, when I was a kid, the the first one I there were two. There were, I remember getting a an LP that was Lionel Richie's "Dancing on the Ceiling," which I really liked when I was. I must have been really young. And then my first album that I got 
was uh, New Jersey by Bon Jovi, and I loved it. I loved it so much. I loved Bon Jovi. I know you hate them, but I fucking love them. <laughs> uh, I thought they were the best. So, yeah, that would be my first album that I was just like, oh, it's amazing. Well, I had I got a bit of a mix, not not too much of a mix in styles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you, I, mean, I think people have got a got a bit of a, an idea that you like louder, heavier music. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of the same, but I do actually like a lot of other stuff. But I've put, I haven't put that on here. So I've gone with uh, Queen, their album Innuendo, which is their last studio album with Freddie Mercury still alive, mm-hmm. um, and Justice for All by Metallica. Nevermind by Nirvana. Uh, Heat by Jimmy Barnes. Mm-hmm. I got that when I was 12 or 13. All right. And just flogged it. I don't know why. Something about it just, I just, it just got addictive. It was like an earworm. Mm-hmm. I just played it flat out for about two or three months. Um, De Rigor Mortis by Tism. <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water by uh, Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Godsmack's debut album, Secret Samadhi by Live, Follow the Leader by Corn, and Traction by Supergroove. I have no idea what the last one is. Yeah, they were a New Zealand band. Okay. Um, they had one song which appeared on some, um, you know, this compilation albums used to get in the 90s. Yep, yep. And my sister got one of those on cassette, and they had one song on there which I used to just absolutely love, and it was by that band. So I went, I'm just going to go buy their album. Yeah. And just love every every track on it. You know, one I thought about when you were when you were saying your ones. Um I uh, this is really weird. I heard uh Cop Killer by um Ice T's band. What is what's his band called? Oh, I can't remember. What's his band called? Man. Anyway, I heard that when I was like 11. <laughs> you know what? And I it's heard... so good. It's I heard so that good. when I was 11, but in a very different style. All right. It was on, um, I don't know if you know it. They used to have a show called The Late Show, which was on ABC yeah. in 92, 93. And it had all the guys that were in Working Dog, you know, Rob Sitch, Tony Martin, Mick Malloy, all those guys on it. And they did their version of Cop Killer, but it was in the in the form of those foursome groups of men that used to sing, like, um, barbershop quartets and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And they sang it in that style. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was funny. I'll, I'll dig it out for you. It's it's bloody funny. I, Ice-T's band, by the way, is called... Uh, man, I, I, I just had it in my head again and I lost it. Ah, <laughs> uh, what's it called? Damn it. Was it NWA? No. How dare you? <laughs> Fucking NWA. What I, is it? Called? I don't know. I don't listen to any of that music. Ah, I wish I could remember what it's called. It's one of those things where it's like, like how dare you friggin' forget it. Uh, there's people right now listening to us that are screaming. They're like, how dare you? I'm, I'm really... Doing a uh, Google search now. Is it body count? That's it. Body count. There we go. Yeah, and I like, I had it on, um, had it on a cassette, and I, I was, I was eleven. Shouldn't have been listening to it. 
and but it was a really good one. I still like a lot of iced teas stuff. Yeah, did you, um, did you defy the little warning sticker on there? I did actually. I I paid no attention to it, believe it or not. You rebellious little bastard! I know. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, uh, Pink Floyd. I liked Pink Floyd as well uh, oh, yes. when I was younger. There's some of their stuff is still good. Some of it. You probably, and I've, I don't do drugs, everyone knows that, but um, you kind of know that you need, it would be way better if you were doing acid. <laughs> so, yes. yeah. Oh, there you go. That was pretty interesting. Now, um, yeah. have we had any emails? We actually had a really long email. Hi. Wow. I'm glad you brought it up. It was we, a super long email. We might as well look into it. Yeah, let me bring this up. Where is it? Just so people know, we we actually had, I think, one person gave us some feedback on an episode we did last week that was titled The Purge episode, mm-hmm. and they really enjoyed it. Yep. Hence why we're doing this format again. <laughs> <laughs> this one's not really The, the Purge. This was just more, um, what we call this? Talking shit? I don't know. Just talking shit, yeah. So this one's from PK. I'll, I'll just call you PK because I know that some people don't like their full names read out online. Uh, Paul Kent. It's definitely not Paul Kent because I would have put it straight to the bin. <laughs> <laughs> it says, hi, guys. This is a really long one, actually. That's what she said. Hi, guys. Hey, guys. Loving the podcasts. Finally hearing the truth about rugby league. Very refreshing. I can't believe the NRL are looking at extending their contract with nine and for less money. If this does go through, man, it will be hard to support this game. An episode with the NRL economist would be a great listen. Dealing with the facts about the business side would be great to hear. Delve into the potential future of the game because the true potential of this game is actually quite positive. If you move past the mainstream media negative propaganda, and is so exciting to think of. As I said, there is so much potential in this game, but with News Limited and Nine controlling the situation slash agenda at the moment, it really hinders the progress. They're scared, though, because the NRL organisation is becoming bigger and more powerful than them, and that scares them. That letter from Nine a couple of weeks ago proves that, to me, was the last straw, was the last-ditch effort, sorry, effect, to seek that to seek back control and unfortunately they did get their way with Greenberg resigning mm. disappointing to say the least what the NRL needs to do is to keep investing in their digital arm and always lead with the knowledge that nine and news limited need the NRL more than we need them this current situation with no footy proves that can't hesitate in this finally the commission has to become fully independent. Take away the power from the clubs because they are the major problem here. Their self-interest, Gus Gus Gould come out this week saying the clubs need more power. For the good of the game, the best thing Gus should do is leave. His leave rugby league has been good to him, has earned millions of dollars from it, but it's time to go. The person... The person's greatest asset is self-awareness. He should ask himself, what worth am I to the game moving forward? The answer is obvious. I tell well, you... Well, Gus will tell you a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's probably done about 15 tweets since we've been recording um, with about 10 ideas and none of them any good. Um, there's a little bit more. 
I tell you what should happen if the new extended deal goes through. The Players Association, along with the players, should ghost interviews and so on. Channel 9 and News Limited minimise their content, only deal through NRL Digital and independent guys and girls like yourselves. Make a stand. Throw all support behind this push, all the power into these platforms, making them the power plays in the media. Pushing particularly the NRL digital arms to become the main media player for the game, like the NBA and NFL. The players are the greatest assets. Mobilise them and you can go in any direction you want. This will make Nine and News Limited have to change their ways in reporting the game, bringing back truth and research journalism not petty agenda-driven garbage. Anyway, wishful thinking. Sorry for the long post, but isolation and NRL dealings over the past couple of weeks have got me fired up about the game. Thanks and keep up the good work, PK. So that was a really good email, hey? Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, I, I have to say I, I agree with all of that, um, I, particularly where he said that the independent commission needs to be independent and the clubs need to have less power. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely um, pivotal. If this if this game is going to grow and move forward and expand, then the NRL itself has to stop pandering to what the clubs want. If a club cannot cannot stay afloat in the current climate, given that they're being handed three million dollars and all their players' wages paid every year, then there's got to be a point where they're just going, you know what? Fuck it, you're just you're just not good enough. You just have to die. Yeah, they cannot keep propping them up all the time. And yeah, I know that my club is one of them that's been propped up by this. But seriously, we've got to get to a point where we we have to put club alliances aside and just say, if we really want this game to grow and move forward, we can't keep trying to run clubs like it's 1962. Yeah, yeah. And look, remember a few weeks ago we said. Todd Greenberg is not going to let a club die. Mm-hmm. Now he's gone. Do you think Peter Volandis would let a club die? No, because Newsman would tell him that, you know, this club's about to die. <laughs> and he'd do and what they told He'd him. jump in. He, he, yeah, they say jump, and he doesn't even ask any questions. He just starts doing it. He doesn't say how high. He just starts jumping. He just goes for it, yeah. He's jumping on the spot. He waits for them to say, stop jumping. Oh, it just keeps jumping. It's a real worry, isn't it? Uh, it's hard. Mm. It's hard. Um, we were both strongly opposed to him getting, getting this gig. Yeah. Right at the very start. And it wasn't because largely of anything that Volantis had done, but because the media were pushing his agenda so hard. Yeah. I mean, something's not right. And we're seeing now why. Because, you know, Channel 9 saw that they weren't going to be able to negotiate with um, Greenberg. So they wayanted him. Um, and two weeks later, he steps down. Then they absolutely trashed the game of rugby league, talking about how the NRL wasted all this money that the NRL somehow miraculously gifted them, um, which was just a load of wank. Yeah. And then they said, you know, we want to have, we want to pay less for the rights. And, Flanders gives them exactly what they wanted. He's their puppet. I got told that, that it was a ridiculous assumption to make, but you know, fuck it, I'm going with it. Two, yeah. two, two pieces of evidence have already come out that are a pretty clear sign to me that he's their puppet. And if you throw in the fact that 
there's a few people at News Limited who are hell-bent, hell-bent on kissing his ass at every opportunity they get. It just says to me that they they control him. And yeah. I think he's oblivious to it. I know it worries some people within the game. I've talked to some people, and they're worried. Um, oh, they not, yeah. It's... It, it, it's... The thing that gets me, too, is it's not like you're getting one or two people saying, oh, he's a good operator or something, and it's just this blanket, like, reverence for him. And I don't understand that. And, you, you know, I've been saying on this podcast now for over a year, I think Rugby League didn't need a politician running it. It needed a dictator. Well, I think we've got one now. And it might be a case of be careful what you wish for. Because, you know, he, I mean, I've, I've never seen a power grab like what, what Volandis has done. Like, you've got to give him some credit. He was a silent commissioner when he joined the commission, right? Didn't make a, a ripple. Had people praising him, but didn't do a thing. Then he gets the, the you know, the chairman's job and has just taken the game over in like six months. It's kind of amazing. Um. You know, at the very least, that shows that he's a strong person that can make things happen. But it also means that the game is at his mercy. And if the media wasn't so full of praise for him, I think that that's probably a good thing. But it's, you know, at this stage, it really worries me, especially when you hear that he's looking to renegotiate in the, the very worst possible time like in the middle of a pandemic when there's a, a complete shutdown of the world economy, um, it, this isn't when you renegotiate an extension of a TV deal, especially with partner who want partners. And I've got no, no problems with Fox sports because they've kind of been along the lines of like, we'll take any rugby league, but the more, the better. Right. I kind of yeah. like that. But when channel nine's like, well, we want exactly this. And if you don't give it to us because we don't want to run into the 2020 world cup, We'd rather you didn't play any rugby league at all for the rest of the year. If I was negotiating with that party, man, they would be. I'd be doing everything to get rid of them. And I don't. I also don't like this thing of calling the media broadcasters um, stakeholders in the game. Stakeholders in the game are clubs. They're members of clubs. They're players. Well, they've, got a, the... they've got a vested interest in the game getting better. Yeah, but they're and... not stakeholders. No, Channel 9 are white-anting the game mm. purely to drive its price down so they don't have to pay so much for it. Mm-hmm. So they can increase the profits to the stakeholders because they know the game's still going to draw good numbers. So that's why they have such a strong campaign against it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a cynical person, but, you know, there's been too much evidence over the years to suggest that I shouldn't be. Yeah. That's the problem with rugby league and so much self-interest. I mean, there was a report during the week that the clubs were happy to take less money just as long as their club grants stayed the same. And it's like, well, you know, and that the, the story was that, well, the, the, the less money, that will be, you know, that just won't go to the overspending in NRL headquarters. And it's like, oh, so you mean less development officers, you know? They're spending on on junior rugby league. That's what they really mean when they say that. 
yeah, and I suppose the other thing that's a worry is let's go back to James Hooper's stupid, stupid article, which started all this crap. Mm. Is the cost of admin, yeah. which, as the end report showed, included the cost of setting up the digital arm. Mm-hmm. And now that Greenberg's gone, there's probably going to be a focus on trying to dismantle some of that digital arm to try and get the digital cost, you know, the admin cost down so that Green, um, Valandis looks like an absolute legend. And best way to do that, I guess, is to sell off the NRL digital. And that would be the very worst thing they could do. Mm-hmm. Like, that is... NRL digital is one of the best things that the NRL's ever done. Um, it has given the game an outlet that it can go straight to the fans. Its reach is massive. And there's a reason why the broadcasters hate it, because it's a direct competitor that mm. they can't compete with. That's right. You know, so seeing that broken up would be it would be absolutely I mean, criminal. That and the um, bargaining agreement with the players are the two huge things that Greenberg did and gets mm. no credit for. Very strangely doesn't mm. get credit for. I saw I actually saw an article early in the week that said Greenberg's time as the Bulldog CEO when he signed Des Hasler to a, a contract, remember he'd won the grand final at Manly. Yep. And they were saying, so Greenberg started this overspending at Clubland as well. And yeah, it's he, like, he did get the Bulldogs into a grand final with Hasler. Yeah. yeah. And it was a good move. It was a premiership winner coach. Mm. It, it paid off almost immediately for the club. Yep. And, well, they think that the club coaches were going to watch players get a million bucks and the best club coaches weren't going to get a million. And the Bulldogs weren't in a bad position when Greenberg left. Not at all. Not at all. Who was that person who went to Rugby Australia and just resigned? Yeah. That, that person was responsible for what happened to the Bulldogs. Exactly. St- still responsible for their performance right now, unfortunately. Yeah. What I did mean, you think about uh, Castle standing down? She she jumped before she was pushed. Yeah. Um, I think there were too many people in rugby circles who had knives out waiting to get rid of her because... Think what you like about rugby union. When 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 something gets to the point where they can see they can see the headstone being printed up. Yeah. Yeah. Knives come out. They'll take down whoever they can to try and fix this problem. I don't know how rugby Australia fixes itself. They've got a lot of issues they need to sort out. Their domestic game is barely seen anywhere. They the you know the Super Rugby tournament. It's just been waning in numbers and costing clubs money every year. Mm. They've got to come up with something that's going to capture the imagination of, of fans in Australia to get the get the money coming back in and try and get a free-to-air deal somewhere. And I just can't see how they're going to make that happen. I can't see how there's anyone who can help them make that happen. No, I, I just look at their situation and I think, you know, there's been a lot of people saying, well, they're, you know, as the... Australian Rugby Union team goes, so does the Australian Rugby Union. And uh, the problem that they have is that any good, young, talented rugby juniors are rugby league players, you know? So they're not going to be able to compete for juniors. And so any juniors they do keep are just the ones that NRL clubs didn't actually want. And I just don't know how you how you can build a base off of that I mean, we've seen that how many of the 
Australian rugby union team in recent history has been overseas players, um, yeah. you know, and that hasn't worked either. I just think that I, I don't know how they do it. I the only the only possible scenario I see working for them is if they go to the NRL and say, listen. We come under your umbrella. What can you do for us? And I think that the NRL would do something for them. Um, but, you know, is that rugby union selling its soul? I tend to think they would think it was. And I think they would rather die on their, you know, on their own two feet. I wonder if they'd go to the New Zealand rugby union instead and say, can you give us a loan help us out? Well, look, they probably could, but... My guess is, and this is just a guess, I would guess that because New Zealand is only a small nation, I I would think that they haven't got the commercial capacity to do too much more than they do now. Like, I know the All All Blacks are a big brand, but it's only, I mean, it's a nation that's overall smaller than Sydney's population. You know what I mean? True, but there are a huge amount of rugby union players in New Zealand. And it's still a big thing there. And I think if New Zealand, if the NZRU took over Rugby Australia, they could say, right, we'll look after you. We'll run your competitions and stuff like that. We'll also have a heap of our New Zealand rugby union players come over to Australian clubs and play over there instead of losing them to rugby league. And just have one administration for both countries. Yeah. And so they might even change it to Australasia. Rugby Australasia or something like that. But it'd be just run by New Zealand Rugby Union. Well, I've said that that's what we should have in Rugby League. I think the NRL should be running New Zealand Rugby League as well. And I think it'd work. I think that would work better, way, way better than the other way around. But I I think that that's not the worst idea that Australian Rugby... I mean, the Australian Rugby Union went to the World Rugby Union or whatever the fuck they call themselves these days to get a loan, and they got a $15 million loan. That's like, just not going to be enough. No, nah, not at all. At least these are our full hours getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> I, the thing that gets me about Rugby Union and is how did they not capitalise on that golden period they had in the late 90s, early 2000s when they were World Cup winners and they were the best team in the world. They had all these great players and everything like that. And in a few short years, they're out on their ass and they've been struggling for nigh on a decade. I don't know how they could not capitalise on that. Soccer capitalised on Australia reaching a World Cup for the first time in ages, created the A-League, mm-hmm. you know, and they've maintained momentum there. They haven't gone backwards. How does rugby, with the being so well ingrained in this country for so long, not be able to do the same thing. And this is the problem they've got is second row lane castle helps in some aspects now, but the problem they've got has been going on for well over a decade. Mm-hmm. So sacking one person isn't going to fix it or you know, having a step down isn't going to fix that. They need to find out what's been going wrong and they need to change a lot of things, probably even culturally. Because as yeah. much as they won't admit it, they have been relying on a lot of rugby league and, Admittedly, it's just majorly players, as you hinted at. That's a worry for them. Yeah, because once that cultural, and I think that's part of their problem, that cultural divide that there was between the players that they traditionally would rely on 
and rugby league, that I think that that's gone now. I think it's completely gone in terms oh, of yeah. your juniors at the very, very least. Um, and you look at the, say, all of the former Australian captains that signed that letter to oust Castle. They're from a very different era to what we're in right now. And, you know, those days are just gone. Those days where there was this cultural divide and it's like, oh, no, I'm a rugby player. I wouldn't play league. It's like that the players aren't, don't think like that anymore. They're like, yeah, I play league on, on this day and I play rugby union this day. I'm actually contracted to, you know, the the Roosters or whoever. That's just how it works these days. Yeah. Um, I just don't know how they've come because they can't compete financially. They can't compete for media. They def- they can't compete for eyeballs. They can't compete for excitement. So what? What? The, how do they compete? I just don't see how they compete. But here's a question for you, right? Just say the ARU come out tomorrow and said, we're going to run a national competition, whether it be their super rugby union teams or whatever, and it's going to be 12 players a side and we're getting rid of scrums. Would you watch it? Um, I'd be curious. I would be curious as well. I'm not saying I would be hooked on it or anything, but I'd want to. I'd want to see what it looked like. Yeah. Just say okay. Just say they said we're getting rid of lineouts, and at the we're getting rid of the breakdown. It's going to be a play the ball. I think what the only thing they need to do, I think, is say. Penalty goals are going to be worth one point. Mm-hmm. That's it. Because so much of what goes on in there, like a lot of work that goes on in the scrums is about trying to get a penalty yeah. and then kick a three-point penalty goal. If if you took away that three, those three points for getting a penalty mm-hmm. and just made it one point, why would you do it? If a try is worth five, you're not going to sit there and piss fight around for one point. It's going to take you five penalties to equal just a try that hasn't been converted. Whereas at the moment, it's two penalties. You can catch up with just with two penalties. Yeah. I mean, so, that's the problem Rugby Union has is that Rugby League picked the exact perfect point system. Yeah. And, and they just don't, they can't bring themselves to say that's the one. I, I do like the fact they've got a five point try. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be upset if they brought a five-point try across to Rugby League. However, mm-hmm. Rugby League doesn't need it. Yeah. Okay. And the reason why they increased from three try, three points a try to four in 1983 in Rugby League was because penalty goals were being kicked an awful lot, as were field goals that were worth two points. Yeah. So they reduced the field goal. Then they you know, tried to clean up the scrums an awful lot, so you couldn't get so many penalties from scrums. Sure enough, teams start throwing the ball around, you start getting exciting footy. Um, that's, I don't think you need to change too much to the rules of rugby union. So you don't, you don't alienate the fans who currently watch it. I think if they just change penalty goals to one point, that would change the way teams work. They wouldn't be trying to aim for a penalty all the time because that's one of the criticisms they've got is it just, they just kick goals all the time and Working for just so much kicking, yeah. kick and clap. Yeah, you and, take you take that aspect out of it, and then all of a sudden you're going to have people teams throwing the ball around trying to score tries. I don't know that they th- see. Here's the thing: I don't, 
I was looking at some of the the statistics, and I think it was Tony Collins was putting them forward on Twitter, uh, or he was at the very least retweeting them, and it showed the percentage of times that the attacking team wins at the breakdown in rugby union. It was like ninety eight percent. It was ridiculously high. Yeah. And yeah. he was then though and he was putting them up against the rugby league play the ball percentages, which are actually I think they were actually lower because you think of like a player losing the ball in a play the ball and stuff like that. Um, which was incredible. I didn't I didn't think it was that high for the breakdown in rugby union. So the breakdown is no longer a contest in rugby union. Um, I think what you would see if you got rid, if you changed their point scoring system, I think what you'd see is very conservative play, and they would just be looking to grind down the opposition in attack. I think it would like it, it's definitely a step in the right direction, but I I don't know it would open their game up so much as it would change their focus from let's try and draw the other team into a penalty it would turn that focus to let's just keep possession let's just keep grinding away grinding away yeah, grinding but that, away but that is what rugby union was it was all about possession that's what rugby league was up until they changed it to limited tackles in the 50s yeah it was true all about hold the ball but, and i think that's something that they could probably use it would help to get some of those fans who have felt a bit disenfranchised by it and drifted away and stopped watching it and draw them back. Oh, look, they're playing proper rugby again. At the same time, you're not going to sit there having games, you know, where the scoreline's like 21 to 18 and there's only one try in the match. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, and it's a shit sport to watch. It's like fucking watching paint dry, you know? Well, that's because of the penalty thing. I mean, we saw it starting to happen in rugby league a few years ago. Mm. Yeah, you know, teams who are sitting there and they're trying to work a way to get a penalty when as soon as they get in the opposition's half at the start of a game so they can kick a penalty goal and get it to an early start. Mm. And that's nowhere near as bad as what's been going on in rugby union. But if there's an opportunity for a team to get, you know, cheap, easy points, they're going to take it, especially if they're worth quite a bit. So much, yeah. And three points for a penalty goal, that's way too high. Two points is too high. You want to you make sure that you can still get points for kicking a penalty goal, but you don't want to make it an you know a viable option to try and win a game. If it's one point, you're not going to be winning a game by just opting to kick penalty goals all day. You're going to need to score a try at some point. What if Peter Volandis sits down with Fox Sports and Channel 9 and he says, what if we put together a deal, right? We've got the NRL deal in place, whatever it is, right? What if we, as a, a group, put together a deal, we put it to the New Zealand Rugby Union, they switch to rugby league, right? Yeah. Even if it's not their test team, it's just everything below it, and it pumps $200 million a year into New Zealand Rugby Union, right? And because... Kiwis, they like playing the open style. They like playing a different style of rugby union than everyone else. Always have. All right, yep. It's not a cultural thing over there. It's just that it's a sport. It's not the weird cultural thing that it is in, say, England or in North Sydney. they got to have a meeting about it, don't they? I mean, they'll probably say no. I'm, I've got no doubt they'll say no. New Zealand rugby, I think, would say no. But if you put that to Rugby Australia... I think they would say Thank God we've been waiting for you to call. <laughs> like, say you went to the Australian Rugby Union and we, you said, the NRL will take you over, we'll fund you to the tune of $50 million a year, 
we we will reg- negotiate your TV rights and the rugby union rights. You get one hundred percent of them. You're not, we're not going to cannibalise that. Uh, but we want we want we want your state teams to be playing rugby league. Do you though? That we rugby league'd have to get something out of it. I think what you get out of it is you you try and put rugby union in the markets where rugby league wants to be but can't be. But, so but you got, what would their markets be? Perth, Adelaide. See, but the, the only reason that rugby league isn't in those markets is because it's too fucking stupid. Like, I don't I think know, rugby but this union is, thing. is gonna. I don't think a, rugby union is going to have a better chance in those markets. If it's run by the rugby league, it will. So you can use that as a tester. You know, oh, yeah, if people are starting to watch rugby union, we can take rugby league over there. They're going to love it. <laughs> it's It starts the process of transferring people from being diehard AFL fans to watching something different. Something different, yeah. And then you give them an upgraded version of that something different. Okay, here's another question, all right? The media conglomerates around the world, rugby league, rugby union, all of them, they come together and they sit all of the stakeholders down, right? They sit fucking Nigel Wood down. I'm just kidding. Um, they sit everyone down and they say, we're sick of this two-code shit. We want one big rugby code. We want an alternative to soccer. What we want is 14 players aside. Okay, compromise there. Mm-hmm. We're going to have no line-outs. We're going to bring back... We're going to have the rugby union scrums. We're going to use rugby league's point systems. And we're open to discussion about a breakdown or the play the ball, but it's going to be unlimited. What do you think? I don't know if if it's going to be unlimited, I'd make it the play the ball. Okay, why the play the ball in unlimited? Quicker, cleaner, better for TV. I think to play the ball's the way to go myself as well. That, but we're rugby league fans, so we we'd obviously say that, right? Yeah, but I mean, you you want to if you're going to try and capture an audience, you want something that's moving pretty quickly. Yeah. And if you turn on the TV and you're just watching a bunch of blokes in a mall for a minute before the ball comes out, what you'll do is you'll watch rugby union the same way people watch test cricket. It's just something you have on in the background and you yeah. tune into it every now and then when you, when you hear the commentators get excited. Mm-hmm. But if you want to try and get people engaged because that's what you need so you can do your advertising during games and get your money that way, you need to have the game going a bit faster. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the play the ball comes in. I'd have that over, over them, over them all. And then you can have the, uh, yeah, you go unlimited. See, the only things that I could see that I would be interested in trying from that rugby union has that I would have any interest in just trying, right? Not even committing to it. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could do something with the line in, the line outs, you know, because they're different. Yeah. I, I don't know what you do with them. I don't know how you would implement them, when you would implement them. That would change rugby league in an instant, not because of the actual line itself, but because you need to have very unique, different players. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like you'd, you'd need to have two Sean Lanes in every team. Yeah, and 
that's I mean that would be different, you know. That but that's the only thing in rugby union that like I don't want their scrums. I, I think their scrums are overrated shit. You know, they they all go with the feed for the most parts and yeah, they well, have to reset fifteen times. Like I don't want that. I don't mind the the scrums they've got, they're a lot cleaner than the ones that rugby league had, which were just an abomination. They're an absolute mess. But scrums as a whole in league and union are a complete waste of time. Yeah. Like um, if, I'm, say, not, I'm not saying I want them scrapped, though. They do serve one purpose in league, and that is you get one play with all the forwards out of the way. Yeah, see, and that's what I'm thinking. What if you could, what if you replaced the scrums with something like a line out? And I don't know how you would do that, right? But that would hopefully get your forwards out the way in the same way. You'd get all your forwards on the side of the field, open up the rest of the field for your backs, hopefully. Mm. Uh, and it would, I guess it would bring in a fi- that 50-50 thing of, well, hopefully 50-50. I'm sure it's not 50-50 for rugby union lineouts, But it would at least bring some sort of unpredictability. Yeah, well, it. it'd be closer to 50-50 than what scrums are. 100%, 100%. So that's the only thing in rugby union I look at and say, well, that'd be interesting to have in league. You know what else I'd put in there is have mm-hmm. contested play the ball as well. Only the mark can strike at the play the ball. We used to have that. There was no reason why they need to get rid of it. And that brings back a bit more um, 50-50 in play. Mm-hmm. And it's just one-on-one, so it's not an entire mess either. I'd be willing to try it again. I wonder how it would... Uh, I, I wonder what the percentages would be on, like penalties and things like that no i'd have it pretty simple and that is if you rake at the ball yeah and you don't get it back if you were to go with limited tackles then if you rake at the ball and you don't get it back it's a tackle count reset for the opposition team Mm -hmm. so it means you've got to pick your time yeah and that's the key thing to making an actual skill if you have it so it's just free for all Mm -hmm. then you'll just be kicking at the ball in every single play the ball it'll be a mess I think it would slow down the play. It would slow the play of the ball right, right down though. It would, which would take away the need to have the wrestle in the play of the ball. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, it, we're, I mean, we're fixing shit here. Yeah, we're, 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 we're <laughs> let's cure cancer. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's the next one. I'll yeah, that, on let's the, do uh... that the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> right, what you need is disinfectant. Yeah, <laughs> what you get is a needle of disinfectant. Am I right? That's how you, you get that. Get that bleach stuff. <laughs> Don't get that domestic. So get that like black and gold brown black stuff. Oh, that's the best. That's got the green death in it. That bleach. Mm. Bang that shit in your veins. Yeah, that'll clear it out. Absolutely. That's how you fix shit. Well, fix all my problems. Absolutely. That's that's been a productive effort. Yeah, it's been a good episode. It's been fun. Do you want to bring up the uh, article you sent me earlier? Oh yeah, you, you know what? You you seem to be quite excited about. It. I'm. I sent it to you because you were on a radio show before, and you're sounding a little bit. Um, sound like you you're looking for a bit more content. Yeah. And so I sent you that. I opened the garden gate. I showed you the path. And I don't I think like, you used it, so I'm, I'm happy for you to bring it up now if you wish. Yeah, oh, look, I can't read it as well because it's only on my phone, and I know you've got it on your screen. Your big, uh, 
You you can read just the headline there. Okay. Because I can't read the text underneath it. That's okay. all blurry. <laughs> this is, what publication was it in? No yeah. idea. Found it on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> it says, Mum of Two. And the quote is, I'm fighting off coronavirus by drinking sperm smoothies. <laughs> and under says it says, her name's Tracy Kiss. That's hilarious. Tracy Kiss says she's not worried about COVID-19 as she thinks her unique way of keep, keeping healthy will ward it off, though some may find her controversial methods hard to swallow. To those people who may find it controversial, um, shut up. Yeah, shut the fuck up, you bitch. You're ruining it for the rest of us. I remember when this COVID-19, it's funny that you sent me that, when this COVID-19 thing came out, and I was going to post a tweet saying, wow, I can't believe that the scientists are saying that if women give blowjobs, that it will cure them of COVID-19, they'll all be immune. But I didn't post it, and I'm so fucking angry now. It looks to me like in this in this article, yeah, um, this woman does have a male partner. Um, yeah, what's this? She's kissing well, him. She's kissing him on the the side of his face. He's not kissing her on the lips, obviously, because you know. Yeah. You know what? All I can say is, um, well played, sir. Yeah. <laughs> she seems like a a really nice woman to me. Yeah, she's a keeper. Yeah, she really is. You aren't you aren't a. I like that she calls it a smoothie as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing she's putting strawberries in there. Yeah, maybe... Uh, a bit of banana. Yeah. Some blueberries. Maybe mix it up with, you know, one of those health shakes. Like, maybe she gets a health shake, like a vanilla health shake, and just, you know, goes into her husband and says, hey, you know, just beat off into this, <laughs> you know? No, it's she, not beating off. She's she's happy to do the work. Oh, does she? Yeah. <laughs> I think, well, I'm assuming that's the case. Okay, so, okay, so do you reckon that she does it? Do you reckon that she she jerks it? Let's fucking go for it. Do you reckon that she fucking jerks him off, right? Or she would blow him and spit it back into a smoothie and do it that way? <laughs> I reckon she probably just yeah the the latter, and then before swallowing, just has the rest of the smoothie recipe all made up and just pours the rest in her mouth as, as a bit of a chaser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be the way to do it. Yeah, she's a good egg, this one. Absolutely. What was the name? Tracy Kiss? Tracy Kiss. Like, look, I think, right, I think it's only fair that one of our listeners tries this, okay, and gets back to us. Now, if you email us, we won't say who it is, okay? If Andrew doesn't even see the emails. I'm the only one that's No, I, I don't. That's why I'm always asking where they are because I don't see them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, send your emails in and let us know if guzzling cum is keeping you healthy. Feel, yeah. feel free to provide videos of you doing it. <laughs> this this is brilliant because if you're all, the reason why this is going to work. Yeah. I don't, I'm going to ruin it here now. Yeah. Because everyone's in social isolation. If you, if you don't have coronavirus in your house. Yeah then you're most likely not going to get it. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing this in a coronavirus-free house, then it will 100% work. It's preventative. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm not a doctor, but this 
ladies seems like a foolproof method to just protect yourselves. I'll tell you what, if she comes out of this and she doesn't get coronavirus, I, I think she should be given an honorary PhD. Yeah, among with other the, things. With the emphasis on the D. Maybe some... <laughs> a PH capital D. <laughs> and maybe a shot of penicillin. <laughs> anyway, so if you've got any videos of yourself doing this, ladies, send them to podcast at leaguefreak.com. I'll review your performance. I'll give you a rating out of 10, and we'll see how we go. Well, that's a uh, that's a way to end the show. Yeah. You know, I think we've come full circle. Yeah. Or maybe, no, I won't go there. Um, thanks for tuning in everyone Um, you can catch us on Twitter at Virgo Freak Pod we're on Instagram at Virgo Freak Pod as well we're on Facebook we're on LinkedIn Um, we're on all the podcasting apps out there there's also a new website out there uh, rugbyleaguepodcastingnetwork.com yeah it's a really cool podcast yeah if you love rugby league podcasts um, that place that website has tons of them and I've heard that the bloke who set it up is an absolute champion. He really is. He's a lovely person. Um, well, I don't it. know if you know this, Andrew. I consider that to be both of our websites, by the way. I think we've talked about that once before. It's like oh, a joint okay. venture. But, you know. so that's, if, that's, if, that's very kind of you, given that I've spent absolutely zero seconds <laughs> doing any work on it whatsoever. Hey, it makes up for all the prep I've never done for this year. All right. <laughs> 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 so yeah, it's great. Uh that's that's why all this works so well. <laughs> we put in the the least amount of effort. <laughs> we do. We do. Uh, you know what? I want people to go to patreon.com forward slash RL project because if you want to be involved in building the history of the game's record keeping, you need to get involved. You need to be part of RL Project's Patreon page because it is doing a service for Rugby League. It is a wonderful thing. Uh, get behind it. it. You can put even one US dollar a month. is fantastic. So, yeah, I would, I would hope everyone does that. Absolutely. And while we're at it, support independent Rugby League writing and go to patreon.com slash leaguefreak. And give that young fella some coin there as well. I think he's got deals from as low as three US dollars a month, which at the moment would be going without toilet paper for about a day and a half. <laughs> I think so, I I said during the week it was less than one cup of coffee. There you go. Yeah, get into it, people. Yeah. Um, yeah, two independent contributors to rugby league. Give us a hand. That's the way yeah. to do it. Yeah, we're doing. Uh, we love producing the content. We love. Oh, yeah. uh, we like. We love it. We love doing it. And uh, you know, it's. Uh, I was saying to Andrew before we started recording. It's interesting when you've got uh, people on your Patreon, and you're like, I want to make sure they can see what they're paying for. I I, I want to make sure that they can, they can see the difference they're making. And and yeah, so get involved. It's fantastic. It's like. It's just brilliant. So, yeah. Beautiful. Well said. Well done. Thank you. You, you know what? You did good in this episode, Andrew. I, I tried my best. Yeah. Yeah. I liked the, uh, 
you know, I'd like to know how you found the story about the chick that is a cum guzzler. Like, what were you looking at at the time? I literally was just going through uh, Facebook because I was oh. doing my the only bit of prep I was organising for this show was the thing where I asked you about books and uh, CD albums. Mm. And as I was going through my, my timeline, that appeared on someone else's post and went, that is too good to leave there and not share around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For some reason, it, it, no, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say something, and I won't. I'll tell you what I was thinking after the podcast, and then I'm going to DM that person and say, hey, we almost mentioned you. A really bad point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Good stuff. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll catch you next time.